the world's most exciting podcast, home of borders, language, culture, and here he is, New York Times best-selling author and National Radio Hall of Fame inductee, Michael Savage. I'm Michael Savage, host of the Savage Nation podcast, home of borders, language, and culture. Hear my new podcast each week as I speak with top guests from around the world. Right now, we have over 700 shows in our library featuring interviews with world leaders, scientists, faith teachers, and more, including President Donald Trump, Prime Minister of Israel Ehud Barak, Edward Teller, the father of the hydrogen bomb, Jerry Falwell, and so much more conversations and commentary you cannot find anywhere else. Other guests have included Samuel Cohen, the father of the neutron bomb, Breitbart's Alex Marlowe, the great author Peter Schweitzer, Colonel Douglas McGregor. Be here or be nowhere. The Savage Nation podcast. Catch the Michael Savage podcast on all podcast platforms every Tuesday and every Friday. Remember when they told us he was Mr. Empathy, Mr. Save the Soul of Our Nation? Uh, he's not. He isn't. Uh, he's a really mean, nasty, and profane man. This just happened a little while ago at the White House. Somebody wanted to ask a question about inflation. Joe didn't like it and muttered something under his breath that we can hear. I think inflation is a political That's a great asset. More inflation. Stupid son of a bitch. Stupid son of a. Wow. That's uh, pretty nasty for a guy who is all about our precious norms. It's only the latest screw up. Of course, a much more serious, catastrophic one happened last week. And guess who's going to have to pick up the pieces? Again, the United States military. Because Joe was so incredibly weak and confused at that press conference last week, he. He has to look tough now. And how do you look tough if you're the United States of America? You start ordering troops around. Presidents really love that. Uh, Joe doesn't know the military very well. He knows about Bo. He likes to say, God bless the troops. But I don't think he really cares. Remember when we lost in Afghanistan? That horrible, horrible series of weeks. And we brought the body bags back. And what was Joe's reaction? Can we get on with this already? Uh, I'm sorry, are we holding you up, Mr. President? So what do I mean about the troops moving? Well, uh, we are moving, reportedly, they're considering moving thousands of troops around Europe in the Baltic states, and this could be a real hassle, all right, uh, for the troops. You know, even in peacetime, even in preparation or as a deterrent measure, moving a large number of troops around is a huge burden to the troops. Sometimes people get hurt while doing that. Now, I know this is what they signed up for, and that's okay. Presidents, we've had lame presidents before, and we'll have lame presidents again. And often, the military will pay the price for their ineptitude. It's happened before. George W. Bush brought us to Iraq. Uh, weapons of mass destruction. I believe he wanted to look tougher than his father. Who knows what was going on inside his head? But the troops paid a very big price for his incompetence. How about Iran in the in 1980? 
Jimmy Carter totally blew it when it came to the hostages, and he was feeling the heat. He was running for re-election, so he threw together and scotch-taped a plan to rescue the hostages. It was a bad plan. It was poorly executed, and the results were catastrophic. Lyndon Johnson could not manage the Vietnam War, and it nearly broke him, and it nearly broke the country, and it literally broke nearly 60,000 U.S. troops. So, back to Joe Biden. That horrendous press conference, you know, the mistakes were so egregious, even Democrats. I mean, I know in the Beltway, people were shocked that he blew it this badly. Now, the media, they're still covering for him in big ways and in small, but this happened. It's part of the historic record, and I don't think he can ever, ever recover. I'm not so sure he has... uh is certain what he's going to do. My guess is he will move in. He has to do something. Russia will be held accountable if it invades. And it depends on what it does. It's one thing if it's a minor incursion and then we end up having a fight about what to do and not do, etc. A total green light to our adversary to invade another country. Now, they're trying to minimize it, but they know, not even deep down, they know. They'll even tell you behind the scenes that this was as bad as a presidential mistake as you can make. Now, they've been out there trying to pick up the pieces, especially Tony Blinken. Now, Tony doesn't have too much experience. Tony is a, well, he's a bit of a wimp. He's, well, you tell me, does this seem like a strong leader? Do you think Vladimir Putin is going to listen closely to this guy and maybe even be intimidated, take the cue from the United States? I don't think so. It's uh, important that people look at the whole range of things that Russia could and may be preparing to do in Ukraine. We have a responsibility uh, to see the diplomacy through for as as far and as long as we can go because it's the more responsible way uh, to bring this to uh, closure. I think it speaks to the fact that, uh, as always, Russia develops uh, lots of different options uh, for uh, uh, doing things, including uh, in uh, in Ukraine, and this is one of them, and it's something that people have to uh, have to be aware of. We are now sharing our own uh, ideas. And uh, uh, well I think we're going to have baseball practice, and maybe go to soccer practice, and then maybe uh, you you can sleep over my house, and then uh, listening to this guy, I'm tempted to invade Ukraine. I don't want Ukraine invaded, but this is weakness. This is bad. What you need out of a Secretary of State, if you don't have it in the president, maybe in the Secretary of State, a guy who knows how to kick a little ass, all right? Henry Kissinger, Al Haig, Mike Pompeo. You need somebody strong in this office. And quite frankly, after we blew it in Afghanistan, the idea that everybody, well, the fact that everybody in the Biden administration still has their job, okay? Nobody was fired after this ridiculous failure. And now they're calling the shots in Ukraine. That's a problem. That's a big problem. But I don't know if this is a silver lining or a reason for optimism. I'm pretty sure Joe and Kamala, they're not going to make it four years. I know they look uh, all happy together. We all know this is not a happy relationship. And it looks like Kamala Harris is barely hanging on. If you are confident in your job, you wouldn't be going around telling everybody what your job is. Here's what I mean. I will repeat myself, and I'm Vice President of the United States. But more important, I'm Vice President of the United States. Anything that I handle is because it's a tough issue. And I'm Vice President, and my name is Kamala Harris. 
Wow, and I'm Greg Kelly, and I'm the host of the show here at Newsmax. Once I start saying that, you know I'm probably not long for Newsmax, okay? <laughs> Just, um, there's something going on here. Now, I'm hearing, and this has been reported at times, that they're looking for a way out for her, and it just might be the Supreme Court. If they get Justice Breyer out of there, out of there that might be a place for, for Kamala. Look, presidents and their vice presidents have gone down before. The entire ticket has gone down in flames. Nixon and his vice president, Spiro Agnew. People forget it, but Spiro did not last. Uh, he lasted less time than Nixon did. He had to resign, even though he was pretty good. He was much better at his job than Kamala. I'm not asking for government censorship or any other kind of censorship. I'm asking whether a form of censorship already exists when the news that 40 million Americans... When the news that 40 million Americans receive each night is determined by a handful of men responsible only to their corporate employers, and is filtered through a handful of commentators who admit to their own set of biases. Great speaker, deep thinker, but hmm, ethically, looks like he was taking kickbacks when he was governor of Maryland, open and shut case. He had to resign. Uh, It was kind of unthinkable at the time, but uh, that's what happened. And Gerald Ford, congressman from Michigan, was sworn in. Both the House and the Senate had to confirm him. He wasn't the speaker. He was uh, high up in the Republican setup hierarchy, Gerald Ford. And then Nixon resigned, of course. And then uh, Gerald Ford became president. Something like that could happen again. Uh, not saying how or when, or but it's not inconceivable. It has happened before. And a little bit on Kamala and Joe. They really don't like each other. Yeah, they ham it up for the cameras, but... What happened during the campaign, neither one is going to forget it, especially Joe and Jill. So that's where the federal government must step in. That's why we have the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act. That's why we need to pass the Equality Act. That's why we need to pass the ERA, because there are moments in history where states fail to preserve the civil rights of all people. I supported the ERA from the very beginning when I ran for the 30 seconds. You don't get over that, all right? That's bad blood. It's not gonna get better when they're smiling. Uh, It's all pretend. This is fake. You wanna see true love, though? I think this is true love. Yeah, Kamala Harris and Barack Obama. Now there is a friendship. Stay with us. We have a problem in New York City that has national implications. That's Eric Adams. He looks great in a suit, but he has no business being mayor of New York City. Five shootings of police officers this month alone, and he doesn't have a clue. Not a clue. It's dangerous, it's bad, but it's real. We'll be right back. Have you checked out the Newsmax Daily Podcast with me, Rob Carson? You get daily news, insightful commentary, and believe it or not, comedy. Check it out wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts or at NewsmaxTV.com slash podcast. All I can say is, is that, that the fake, fake news just doesn't, doesn't get it, do they? They don't, and they created so much of the crime problem, actually, in America, which is real. It is getting worse, and 
they don't know what to do about it. <laughs> now those responsible, they can't blame Washington, but that's what they're trying. They really should look in the mirror. Want to talk about New York. The implications are national, but five police officers have been shot in the past three and a half weeks, and one police officer was killed on Friday night. We had his partner there, Wilbert Mora, was uh, seriously wounded. They were responding to a domestic violence situation. Um, we have an immediate crisis in New York. But guess what our public officials, our leaders are going to focus on? The root causes, you know, the systemic stuff. We must address the root causes of these challenges. Later this week, I'm going to under, uh, roll out uh, my plan to deal with the underlying reasons uh, that we're facing such a surge of violence in our cities. We're going to go after the underlying reasons you're seeing crime in our city. And that is the plan we're going to roll out uh, this week with a very clear understanding of dealing with the underlying uh, reasons that we're seeing an increase in crime. Underlying reasons, underlying root causes. Where have I heard that before? Another administration that really didn't want to do anything about a problem that they helped create. We are focused on addressing both the acute factors and the root causes of migration. The root causes of migration. Dealing with root causes. You can't say you care about the border without caring about the root causes. Dealing with the root causes of migration. We better care about the root causes. The root causes. You want to know the root cause of the crime problem in America right now? The root cause they're not going to address in their phony baloney panels or anything else. The overreaction and the overcorrection to George Floyd. George Floyd. Now, this should not have happened. But we should not have tried to cancel the police department and reinvent society ever since this horrible thing happened. And that's what happened. Reinventing society. How can anybody burn down a police station and say that that's okay? The corporate media put their stamp of approval on all this. This treatment of police officers, that was somehow okay. And a then presidential candidate who was riding the wave, thinking that if he went along with it and even encouraged it, he gets to the White House. I don't think you have any law enforcement. You can't even say the word law enforcement, because if you say those words, you're going to lose all of your radical left supporters. And why aren't you saying those words, Joe? Why don't you say the words law enforcement? Democrats that Absolutely run these cities ridiculous. don't want to talk like you about law and order. Violent and you crime. still haven't mentioned. Violent Are you crime. in favor of law and order? I'm in favor of law. You follow Are you in favor of law and order? Go ahead. Yes, I'm in favor You ask a question, let him finish. Law and order. Law and order. Let him Law and order with justice where people get treated fairly. With justice. Now, uh, that sounds great, but that's code. That's code for the far left, crazy dialogue, defunding police. He endorsed that idea during the campaign and pandering, pandering like the career politician he is, going uh, to the George Floyd funeral, sending that special video message. Um, and the lessons that he took from there, these are damaging. It has to be said, I'm sorry, there was an overreaction and an overcorrection to the George Floyd matter, helped along by Joe Biden and all of his cronies. I also spoke to Gianna, George loves George's young daughter again. When I met her last year, I've said this before, at George's funeral, I told her how brave I thought she was. And I sort of knelt down to hold her hand. 
I said, Daddy's looking down on you. He's so proud. He said to me then, I'll never forget it, Daddy changed the world. I told her this afternoon, Daddy did change the world. Well, not for the better. I'm not going to blame George Floyd, but I'll blame the corrupt media culture, our (laughs) warped way of doing things in America, that somehow uh, this could be sanctioned. Firebombing police cars and those responsible in the wake of George Floyd uh, don't go to jail. Don't go to jail. We have January Sixers who did not hurt anybody, who did not uh, break anything, who are in solitary confinement. Uh, The rioting that we saw and corporate America, again, putting their logo on it. So enter this very complex stew, a guy by the name of Eric Adams, our brand new mayor in New York. This is not a serious man. He is uh, doesn't have a lot going on upstairs. I've been familiar with this guy for a couple of decades and we're in trouble here in New York. Uh, He came to party. He didn't come to work. Yes, he was a police officer for a while. And uh, those who don't know him were very impressed by that. The fact that Eric Adams was a cop for 22 years really works very heavily in his favor. The public safety thing has become a huge issue in New York. You have someone like Eric Adams, a former cop, saying, focusing almost, I shouldn't maybe not exclusively, but focusing heavily on that issue. He's got a whole different swagger. He's a former beat cop um, and ultimately a captain in the PD. For 22 years, I wore a bulletproof vest and stood on the street corners and protected children and families in the city of New York. (laughs) He's a hero. Just ask him. Um, He's actually quite vague about what he did. I mean, he wore the bulletproof vest, but then what? What actually happened? It's unclear. Look, this guy joined the police department. According to him, it was an opportunity to go in and just aggravate people. Just aggravate people. Those who knew him, those who worked with him. This is like Al Sharpton, by the way, joining the police department. That was his mission. Chief of Patrol, a man by the name of uh, Wilbert Chapman said, Eric had used the police department for political gain. He wasn't interested in improving the police department. You can see that very early on in his career when he ran for Congress as a police sergeant. This is a guy who is always in it for himself. And here's the proof. What politician talks like this? Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. We deserve more money. We deserve to be paid for the job we're doing. Senator Adams, I believe you've made your point in the two minutes. How do you vote? I deserve a raise. All right. So when he talks, he gets into trouble. And the left-leaning media, they know that about him. They also didn't want to go after him when he was running for mayor, because quite frankly, he's black. And that would have been awkward for a lot of the white reporters. So uh, they couldn't have him speak too much. So they bent over backwards to take care of him. We're going to start tonight with something a little bit different. Candidates, we've all heard your campaign speeches. Now we want you to make your case to a few specific groups that are critical to New York's recovery. We're calling this the 30-second elevator pitch. This is about selling your idea quickly and powerfully. Think Shark Tank. We'll begin with a pandemic-related question for Ms. Morales and Mr. Yang. So it's a debate, ideas. 
and they're telling him to speak like commercials. This benefited Eric because he's not an effective speaker, as you just saw. When he does speak, he says the wrong thing a lot. And oh, by the way, he becomes mayor of New York City while living in New Jersey. Yes, New Jersey, next door, documented. Now, it was covered, but not aggressively. You know, just one story here, one story there. But we can't really call him out on not living here. They didn't. They didn't. And in the end, he does become mayor. But we got such a screwy city here. Eight million people dominated by Democrats. Eight million people. What percentage of them voted for Eric to be mayor? 3.16%. He got 30% of the uh, primary vote one day in June, and through our system, he becomes the mayor. It's crazy. And now that he is, what did he do? What did he do? He partied. He partied. Now, he essentially knew he was going to be the next mayor seven months ago because Democrats always win here. He partied. He took up shop in a uh, sushi restaurant and just met with celebrities. And then he went on vacation to Ghana, Africa. I don't get it. If I were about to be the mayor, I'd be working hard. But he went over there and had somebody wash his feet. Yeah, some sort of ceremony over there. They washed his feet. I have heard of people washing others as a sign of, you know, respect and service. But anyway, he got his feet washed and then... I guess he smoked a lot of weed with uh, Stephen Colbert. I'm not kidding. You know, de Blasio, as bad as he was as a mayor, had the decency to be discreet about his pot smoking. He'd do it alone, and he'd publicly deny it. This is what we're living with now. Why this, this happened. It's true. One of my best gifts, as you know, marijuana is legal. I have raw- I did not know. I have raw. I am not aware, Mr. Mayor. I'm not into that scene. I have bamboo. Oh, you it's know, big. And I can't give you this gift. I'll give it to you later, you know. <laughs> Isn't he cute, huh? Again, smoking pot as the mayor. Great example, right? Uh, when he's not on talk shows, he's walking around town trying to make his own viral videos. You know, look at me. Here I go. I'm uh, going to the fruit stand tonight. They all want to be AOC. They all want the followers. They all want the likes. They all want the money, especially this guy. And when something really happens, I mean, really big, like two cops getting shot, what do they do? Or how about this? His first day on the job. uh <laughs> All he could do was call the police. All that law enforcement experience. Someone's getting beat up a half block away from him. He doesn't respond. Why not? Retired cops do that all the time. He had no cops with him. He decided he didn't need them that day. He called 911 like I did five times last year. So when something really happens, what do these guys do? Symbolism. Go for a walk. How we looking, Matt? <laughs> Listen, we're... We're walking down uh, the street here in, in Harlem on Adam Clayton Powell, a boulevard. And I'm here with your chancellor. Hey, what's up, brothers? How y'all doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. Okay. We're, we're on our way to the 32nd precinct, the 3-2. 
to just show solidarity with those officers. Uh, you know, the trauma of violence. Solidarity, a photo op, again with the photo op. We've got a big problem in this city. Hey, one word about the shooter who killed the cop on Friday night, grievously wounded the other. Uh, there he is. He was active on social media. Like to post things uh, from someone called Uncle Murder. And these images were all over his Facebook page. Uh, it's interesting. We can't talk about the vaccine or our concerns about the fairness of the 2020 election. But big tech allows this. We do have a big problem. But I am optimistic somehow. Stay with us. New information about Ashley Babbitt. We will never forget her and we will never stop demanding justice in her case. We'll be right back. It's our America. We built it. Courage. Freedom. Millions go to Newsmax when they need to know. Start today on the free Newsmax app. Newsmax is real news for real people. Who's the opposite? Do you want your house back? Take it! Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt. Whenever the mainstream media talks about her, they are lying. Surrounding the death of one of those insurrectionists, Ashley Babbitt. Lester Holt's exclusive interview with the officer who shot insurrectionist Ashley Babbitt on January 6th. A gunshot fired by a Capitol Police officer killed Ashley Babbitt, an insurrectionist who tried to climb through. Trump attacked the police officer who shot insurrectionist Ashley Babbitt. Babbitt was a January the 6th rioter. She was an insurrectionist who stormed the Capitol. No, she wasn't. There's no evidence, by the way, that she stormed anything that day. Here she is. Uh, this footage is of Ashley Babbitt. Look at her. She's inside those stanchions. Now, how did she get inside? Well, we don't know. We haven't seen that yet. I do know how plenty of others got inside. You've seen it before. Was she waved in by this little cop? aggressively waving people onto the steps of the Capitol as she got closer. Did the police officers stand aside like they do right here? Uh, did she possibly see other police officers just standing there? This gentleman begged for help by cops who were dressed in riot gear, but seemed strangely uninterested in doing anything. Uh, they just stood there. Anyway, we have new video. Uh, Unearthed by from this is from Taylor Hansen. He was there that day. You're about to see Ashley emerge on the left. That's her. And this is the area where she will die in a few minutes. These police officers don't really do much of anything. Turn the volume up, please. Man, you are covered. I thought I was bad. You got it way worse. Hey, do you need water or something? So uh, this is not video of somebody attacking police officers. Uh, you saw they had a conversation. I do know those three police officers let her down when they just walked away just prior to her getting shot. Has anybody been able to explain this? They're not being harmed. They're not being touched in any way. They decide to take a coffee break. What's happening here? We still don't know, but uh, watch them leave. 
All three of them. One, two. Yeah, let's go somewhere else now. And then all hell breaks loose. Why shouldn't they stop? Why should they stop here? No one's stopping them. Cops are right there. This should not have happened. What were those police officers thinking? And you'll see Lieutenant Bird's gut here in a moment. And a few seconds later, Ashley Babbitt is shot and killed. Why wouldn't the January 6th committee show us that? Demand answers. I want to see those three cops testify, not Fanon and his friends. All right. Got something else? We first showed you this on Friday, but we think it's uh, worthy of a repeat. You ever notice when Joe does this thing, when he talks like this? It's very strange, right? But he does it a lot. I got them $1.9 trillion relief so far. They're going to be getting checks in the mail that are consequential this week. The United States, over two hours in direct conversation across the table. Very few schools are closing. Over 95% are still open. 95% are still open. So we look back and every time Joe does this voice, it's a female reporter. It's a woman. He doesn't do it with men. He does it with women. Now, why would that be? Well, remember during the campaign, finally people had enough with Joe grabbing them, smelling them, sniffing them, turning them around, feeling them up. You've seen it a million times. Um, Joe uh, finally was called out on this and he couldn't do it anymore. So he doesn't do it for the most part, as far as we know. He can't get close to him physically. Is this some sort of trick? to get close to them somehow because you can't touch them anymore. I don't know, but it is something, isn't it? When we come back, it looks like even the Ivy League has had enough of Leah Thomas on the right, formerly Will Thomas, and her swimming trophies. She is winning them left and right. Uh, that may change real soon. Be right back. Information. Truth. Is freedom. Is Newsmax. It's real news for real people. All right. You know the saga with the um, swimmer from the University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Will Thomas on the left became Leah Thomas on the right. Transgender. Will was an okay swimmer uh, when competing against men. Leah is beating all the women. And she did so again this weekend at Harvard University, collecting trophies left and right. This has thrown the sport, understandably, upside down. This doesn't seem right to me. A lot of people are raising questions. Uh, she's competing against women, but she was born a man. Obviously, she still has major advantages. Let's bring in Cynthia Millen. Now, Cynthia, a former USA swimming official, quit in frustration. Uh, she said she can't support this. I told my fellow officials that I can no longer participate in a sport that allows biological men to compete against women. 
Everything fair about swimming is being destroyed. Cynthia Millen, uh, welcome to Newsmax. First of all, thank you for being here. How are you? Thank you very much, Greg. Very well. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. So, look, it does seem absurd. <laughs> you were the first to go, in a way, I'm guessing. Uh, where do things stand right now? This seems ridiculous. There are people defending it. What's going to happen next? Well, a lot of coaches, uh, retired coaches and former swimmers have come out uh, against the NC2A regulation, which allows a male to take hormone suppression drugs for one year and then transition and compete on the women's team. So the NC2A is in a pickle here, Greg, because Leah followed the NC2A rules and was allowed to swim as a woman, but it's clear to everyone that Leah has an enormous advantage because testosterone suppression drugs do not take away the advantage that the male body has. Leah is 6'3", with, of course, a man's lungs, a man's heart, a man's skeletal system, all the man's fast twitch, twitch muscles. And so Leah always will have an enormous advantage, an unfair advantage over the women. The NC2A right now has said that they will um, leave it up to the governing bodies. USA Swimming is the governing body, and they said they would leave it up to FINA, which is the international governing body. So we really have no direction here at all. And there's a very good chance that Leah could go to NC2A Nationals and win the women's championship. Now, also the NC2A uh, prescribing testosterone suppression drugs. That sounds bad. Uh, testosterone, if, 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 for an athletic association to be dealing in that, is that odd? I mean, that I, I, the, you mentioned it doesn't make it fair, number one. But number two, that just doesn't seem healthy. And it seems like something they should not be dealing with. I agree with you. This was decided over 10 years ago in their policy, and it was based upon very, very poor uh, medical studies saying that if a male takes testosterone suppression to get his testosterone down to a certain level, that he would be equivalent to a female. Well, you're correct. This is not healthy for young men. And number two, it really has nothing to do with changing a person to another sex. The fact is, is that Leah is swimming in a male body. And the NC2A, by having men's sports and women's sports, have contradicted this the, the, the entire reasoning here. Why do they separate swimming in the first place? Because men and women swim differently. Michael Phelps was on CNN. I think he's uh, on our side in this. Michael Phelps, of course, won like about 800 gold medals, something like that. He's amazing. Let's take a look. There has to be a level playing field. I think that's something that, that we all need um, because it's it, like that's what sports are. Uh, and, and for me, um, I, I don't know where this is going to go. I don't know um, what's going to happen. Um, I, I believe that we all should feel comfortable with who we are in our own skin. Um, but I think sports should all be played at an even playing field. Uh, totally. Uh, but let me ask you, the atmosphere uh, within the NC2A and academia in general, I mean, everything is trans this, trans that. It's been celebrated. And I guess that's fine in certain quarters if you want to, but it's being thrust upon everybody. Are people afraid to speak out? Is there that you know, cancel, oh, it's politically incorrect to talk about this, or are people becoming more comfortable pushing back? It seems like they are. 
They are. And uh, currently employed coaches are now coming out and some swimmers are coming out. The problem is, Greg, you have a swimmer who is there on a scholarship. She doesn't want to lose her scholarship, right? Her athletic scholarship. And but the but the fact remains that the women are the ones who are really suffering here. They're being treated like second class citizens. Nobody is worrying about their ability to compete, right? Um, but you're correct. The the current swimmers are afraid to, to speak out. The current coaches are, but they are starting to do so. What's been great are retired coaches, retired officials, and past swimmers like Michael Phelps and other NC2A champions are speaking out. The bottom line is 99% of people realize that this is wrong. Um, let me ask you this, finally. Uh... I know they realize it's wrong, and it is. Oh, is this happening? Are there a lot of Leah Thomases out there? I mean, I hear about her, and I guess Leah actually lost to another trans athlete. But are there a lot of copycats? I mean, is this a niche issue, or is it getting bigger, uh, and others want to do the same thing? Well, I think that, again, that's going to be up to the NC2A and USA Swimming. If they encourage this, yes, it will be, It will grow. And eventually, males will realize that they can compete as females pretty easily. Um, I'm hoping that the NC2A will just put a kibosh on this and say, no, you, you compete in your bio, in biological sex. Well, what a terrible thing. Um, how are you, by the way? Whenever you quit an organization I'm sure you really loved, uh, uh, USA Swimming, uh, has it been tough for you? Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's a matter of doing, in my mind, what's right, Greg. I couldn't, I'm so, I love swimming so much because it's always been so fair. We've worked so hard to make sure everything is fair for every swimmer at every race. And this just flies in the face of it. So, no, um, I'm really worried most of all about the girls who are swimming. And what this tells young girls, Greg, little girls, like we don't matter. Well, of course you matter. They matter. And uh, it's a bizarre uh, moment. But I'm so glad you've taken the stand that you've taken. And uh, good luck, Cynthia Millen. Please come back, former USA swimming official who does not like it as we don't like it. And uh, let's see what happens. To be continued, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Hey, remember the uh, spa shootings in Atlanta? March of last year, Joe and Kamala could not get there fast enough to try to exploit it, try to portray it as a white supremacy hate crime, even though everybody, FBI, local law enforcement, were saying that was not the case. Now, six people were killed, uh, six Asian women and two non-Asians. One was Paul Michaels. He was 54 years old. He was doing some repairs. He was a handyman when he was shot and killed. Bad news here gets worse. Uh, recently, Paul's brother, Fred Michaels, died from COVID-19 complications. I'm really sorry to hear that because we got to know uh, the Michaels family a little bit in the wake of that horrible tragedy. John Michaels came on our show. John and I have kept in touch ever since. and. Uh, John joins us once again. John, uh, thanks for being here. So sorry that you lost yet another brother, this time to COVID. How's everybody doing? We're taking everything one day at a time. We're just working together as a family and talking about it. And the biggest shock is another one. 
want to go back to what happened last March. There was intense national interest in the case. We saw Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. It doesn't get more intense, high vis than that. How long did that last? When did everybody kind of forgive me, but, you know, forget about the case and just move on with their lives? I would say probably within four or five days. It was just like about a week. About a week. About a week. About yeah. a week. Um, listen, what can folks do? Uh, you lost yet Fred. Uh, and I know, let's face it, uh, Fred was, um, well, how was Fred doing before this happened? He was, he was doing okay. He was pretty healthy, very active. But his main goal was he was, he was a widower and he has an 18-year-old nonverbal autistic daughter. So the last 10 years of his life, he was basically taking care of her and his son who has a speech impediment. So he was dedicated to his family. Well, we're that's just trying to raise money to help the kids out. That is a lot on uh, on his plate, now on your plate and your family's plate. If folks want to um, help out, there's a way to do that. We have a GoFundMe. You have a GoFundMe page set up, Help Fred's Children. Uh, $476 raised so far. Again, uh, I remember vividly when uh, we lost Paul and now Fred. And John, back then you told me that uh, your faith is very important to you and your family. Can you tell me what impact that has had on you? I guess, in the aftermath of uh, all of this? I just clean. When suffering happens in the Catholic Church or Catholic faith, I can join my sufferings to Christ's sufferings on the cross for the salvation of sinners. And uh, as tragic as it might be, I have to look at my faith and know that through just pure faith in Christ that all of us are Catholic and we all, I hope to see them again in heaven. That's, that's what keeps me going. I want to, I want to see my family together again. And by the way, your faith has helped you, uh, beat some of your own. You've, you've licked a few challenges in your life. Oh, I have I had some addictions and some problems. And just by going through the faith, my faith and prayer and reflection and wanting to, me myself wanting to go to heaven and get be welcome. I sh- I have to change my life and change my habits. You just gotta say enough. This is not going anywhere. I want to go there. It just changes your direction. The shooter in the Atlanta case, um, his name was Robert Aaron, twenty-two years old, killed eight people. Um, pleaded guilty in Cherokee, four consecutive life sentences plus 35 years. He could ultimately uh, still face the death penalty in in, in Fulton County. Um, What are your thoughts about him? I look at him as a, I have a son about about his age, and I look at him as just a confused kid who made a bad decision. And as hard as I could hate him, but that's not going to change the fact that my brother's dead. The best way, how I handle it is I pray for his soul. Hopefully he can come to faith in Christ and becomes remorseful for what he did. John Michaels. Yes, indeed. John Michaels. So sorry again. Uh, The Fred Michaels GoFundMe page is up and running 
And uh, so sorry, but your faith is inspiring, and uh, we appreciate it. Stay in touch, sir. Yeah, I will, Greg. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, you too. so much. You bet. We'll be right back. Real heroes. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. The two police officers shot Friday in New York City. One of them killed, one still clinging, fighting for his life. This is the individual who shot him. His social media profile is pretty terrible. They found this. Two men uh, about to shoot a cop. Now, it's a stage picture, but it's wild that big tech allows stuff like this and doesn't want us talking about the vaccine or the election. That's wrong. Thank you for joining us. Stand by for Stinchfield. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you.